in our series today, um, Sensational Love, as we walk through the Bible and look at sins that are prevalent in our lives, sins that find us uh, falling back into. Our hope is this, and my hope for me personally too, as I walk through this, that as we walk in this journey called the sanctification journey, that we do become more like Jesus Christ, and that, that we overcome and we battle in the power of the Holy Spirit. Today's sins are very prevalent, and these are ones that either you've had done to you, uh, and Lord willing, you're not passing these on to someone else. They're sins that we deal with regularly, and if we don't deal with them in the way God wants them, they'll destroy, they'll divide, they'll conquer, and they will tear up families and relationships. Let me pull away by saying this. Love speaks for and not against others. Our words are very powerful, and you know that, and I know that, and we have an opportunity to speak love to people. We can speak for people. We can believe the best in people, or we can speak against people and speak against people and speak words of death towards them. Words truly have life and death when you have them spoken to you and when you speak them. Just pull away and and think about this situation. Imagine going one week. Imagine starting tomorrow morning and, and, and Monday morning and going to Sunday night next week. Imagine every scenario that you're in, every family, every workplace, every gym that you're working out in. Imagine schools, imagine churches. If possible, to go one entire week with never speaking a word. No one spoke words. All nonverbal communication, and you couldn't speak words at all for that entire week. How would that shape the workplace? There'd be incredible challenges. How would that shape your home? There'd be a lot of nonverbal. How would that shape you as a person at the end of the week when you're about ready to speak first thing Monday morning? How would that shape your environment if words couldn't be spoken for a week? Now, let's just pull away and think about this scenario. Now, imagine that that same week, that every word that you spoke and that I spoke in the workplace, in your home, in your church, in your family, was praiseworthy. Every single word that you you took time to share about your boss, every word that you took time to share about your teacher, your coach, your church, your wife, your husband, your child, your friend, your, your workout partner, the driver in front of you on the way to church this morning, every word that you spoke about them you, you spoke the best about them. You spoke praiseworthy, noble, good things, trustworthy things. How would that shape the environment that you were in? If every person... Now imagine if Fox News, imagine if CNN News, imagine if Goshen News, imagine if Elkhart Truth, imagine every Twitter tweet, imagine every Snapchat story, imagine every Instagram photo, Imagine every Facebook post live or just a regular news feed. Every single thing that you saw in print, every single word that was spoken for one entire week was praiseworthy and always thinking the best of others. Can you imagine? Like, how would that shape the world that we live in? Now imagine this. Imagine if Christians, we just chose to do that. Imagine if you just decided... That's what I'm going to do. Imagine if every attender of Grace Community Church, just us, alone. Imagine 
About 3,000 people said, let's just all speak praiseworthy, trustworthy, noble, good things about everybody. How would that impact our community? It would have profound impact because words have life and death in them. And you have a choice to speak one or the other over your children, over your parents, over your husbands and wives and workplace, employees, bosses, everybody. Today, we're going to see where words were spoken in a slanderous way, where gossip surfaced. And because of this temptation, and because of this action, it set forth and changed humanity forever. Because someone walked into the picture and didn't speak praiseworthy words. And this action has been repeated, has been imputated from the beginning till now. And it's, I would say these two actions, these two sins are the greatest in mankind. Grab your Bibles and I'll show you what I'm talking about. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. Need a Bible? Hold your hand up. Ushers will put one in your hand, open up your mobile device, and turn to Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to read verses 1 through 8. Stand with me when you find that. It's the first book of the Bible, Genesis. And we're going to read chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Let's read this out loud together. Ready? Read. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, You must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You may have a seat. Today I want to address a sin that took place in the garden, the very first sin, and I'm going to address how it came, and I'm going to talk about these two sins that are very prevalent in all circles, Christian, non-Christian. And these two sins are gossip and slander. And so I'm going to ask you, as we proceed to this, not to be thinking about someone else and how they need to hear this message, but ask the Holy Spirit to do a check of your heart and say, are there pieces in my heart, are there places in my heart that I've allowed gossip, that I've allowed slanderous things to come out of? And if so, have the Holy Spirit convict, and then you can repent, and I'll repent, and then we'll move on from that. Let's define the terms first. And I encourage you, if you're a note taker, to take these terms down. Here's how I would define gossip. Gossip is sharing information about someone else that isn't appropriate to share. Sharing information about someone else that isn't appropriate to share. Or to discuss unfavorable personal facts about another person with someone who is not part of the problem or solution. Or 
to discuss unfavorable personal facts about another person with someone who's not part of the problem or the solution. Here's the definition of slander. Slander is sinfully judging others and sowing seeds of suspicion about their character and speaking against their reputation. Sinfully judging others and sowing seeds of suspicion about their character and speaking against their reputation. Now, let me just pull away and just give you a very practical thing. If you are in a circle and someone comes to you and begins to speak, and I'm going to address it later, how to approach this and how to battle it. But if someone comes to you and begins and tries to speak disparaging news or slanders things about someone or begins to gossip, one of the first things that you should do and I should do is ask this question. Have you talked to them about this? And if they haven't talked to them about that, then immediately say, I don't even want to hear this information. The other thing I would encourage you to do, if you're uncertain their bent or their angle, how they're coming, and they begin to say something about someone else, here's something that'll turn the conversation 180 degrees. Respond this way. Well, that hasn't been my experience with that person. They say something about a person that you know, you respond by saying, you know, that hasn't been my experience with that person. And the moment you respond that way, you throw water on their fire because they want you to say, yeah, tell me more. I didn't know that. And we're going to watch in this passage how Satan walked in and began to say slanderous things about God. Adam and Eve had a chance to squash that fire, but chose not to. Slander works hard to cast doubt and suspicion on someone or a group of people. Think about this for a second. Keep in mind, before Satan enters the picture in Genesis chapter 3, both Adam and Eve were fully content in every way. They were perfect in every way, Adam had no problems. Eve had no problems with God. Adam had no problems with Eve. He had just sang her a song. Eve had no problems with Adam. Adam and Eve had no difficulty in relationship. It was absolutely perfect in every way. Neither Adam or Eve were unsatisfied. There wasn't an ounce of unsatisfaction in them at all. In fact, they were deeply in love with each other, deeply in love with God. It was a perfect garden, a perfect woman, and a perfect man with a perfect God. And Adam and Eve had no problems with the living conditions at this time. Absolutely perfect in every way. Had it stayed that way until the serpent came, it would be a whole different ballgame today. In fact, look at the verse... Prior to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Look at chapter 2 and verse 25. Look what it says. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no what? No shame. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more what? What's the word? Crafty than any other wild animals the Lord God had made. And look what he does. Look what it says. He what? What's the word? Said. He spoke. Words, words, here it is. He said to the woman, did God 
really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Let's pull away for a second. I just want to define terms because it's so important. It's amazing when you begin to find the terms of how this played out in the garden. Satan's name in the Greek, in fact, in the New Testament, if you would go from Matthew to Revelation, his name appears 34 times in the Greek. And the 34 times it appears in the Greek, it's, it is the Greek word diabolos. It's where we get the word diabolical. And the word diabolos, every time, if you were to open up a Greek Bible and you would see diabolos, the English translation of that is Satan. His name, which, which is often an adjective, it's referred to as a noun, literally means this. So what's diabolos mean? It means to slander, to accuse, to defame. It means a false accuser unjustly criticizing to hurt, malign, and condemn, and sever a relationship. Picture, perfect garden. Perfect man, perfect woman, perfect relation with a perfect God. In comes what we would know as the diabolos, the slanderer. The slanderer comes in, and what does he do? Why would God withhold anything from you? Huh, he wants to withhold it from you because he knows if you eat from that tree, you will be just like him. He is going against God. He is unjustly saying things about God's character. God is holding back from you. The very first sin that had to be dealt with came from a slanderer who was giving gossip and slanders and accusing words against a perfect God. So he proposes a question. Did God really say? At this point, Eve had no issues with anything. And in her mind, nothing could make it better than what she was already experiencing. The very first sin in mankind comes from someone who is accusing God. A slanderous thought came against God. But the slander speaks. The diabolist talks. And by the way, that is exactly what you can call it when someone chooses to speak this way about someone else. When someone comes and gossips, when someone comes and wants to slander, you can just say, hey, that is devil talk. Be gone in Jesus' name. And so all through our circles and from the beginning, families have been divided, ministries have been divided, workplace have been divided, friendships, marriages, Why? Because someone comes in with a slanderous or gossip thought and devil talk and divides and conquers. Think about this for a second. He tries his best to plant doubt in the mind of Eve. And what he is saying is God is holding out on you. You deserve so much more, Eve. And I want to say, are you kidding me? What's more than perfect? And up to that point, she had never entertained these thoughts. And up to that point, Adam had never entertained this thought that somehow God is holding out on them. It's the classic line of a slanderer. He doesn't, or she doesn't have your best interests in mind. It's all about him. God doesn't have your best interests in mind, Satan was saying to Eve and Adam. He is trying to convince them that God is selfish. And I want to say, are you kidding me? 
Before the foundation of the world, the Bible tells us that Jesus died on a cross, selfish God. Before the foundation of the world, God knew that mankind would come. Even the mere fact that God created human beings, he didn't have to create human beings who would reject him. God, selfish, selfish. Are you kidding me? That's what Eve should have said. But she entertained it. She took the bait. Huh. wonder if that's true. Why didn't he want me to eat from that tree? Maybe he does believe that if I eat from that tree and we eat from that tree, we will be just like God. Can you see that slanderous, accusing spirit setting up division and fraction and faction in a relationship? Doubting and putting suspicion on the goodness of God was exactly what Satan did in the garden. So look at the response. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like who? God. Knowing good and evil. When the woman saw it, look what it says. Look what happened when the woman saw it. The fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desire for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave to her husband who was with her. Pause for a moment. Men, this is one of the first places that you'll see the headship of the husband in the home failing miserably. The husband as the umbrella, as the leader of the home should have said, No! But he was passive, as many of us can be. Knowing that his wife, and knowing that he himself should have never taken the bait, he should have said, no, not on my watch. Satan comes, he should have said, no, don't listen to that conversation. But he was passive. Look what it says after this. Who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They were duped by a slanderer named Satan. Satan sowed seeds of suspicion that were not true about God. God was wrongly judged by Satan because of a sinful deceiver, accuser, who was maligning the truths about God. Now listen to me. It's so easy to get caught up in this. And some of you don't even realize it. You're just just so good at it. And you think the way you're handling conversations, that somehow when you say this, it cancels out that. It's like like eating a Big Mac and saying, I'm going to eat a Big Mac, but I don't have a salad with it. Somehow the salad's going to cancel out the Big Mac. It doesn't do that. And that's how we are. We'll, we'll set it up something good, and, 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 then, and then we'll come after with this, thinking this cancels out what I'm about to say. And often they come very subtle, slanderous thoughts. And here's how they come. I really love him and love her, but have you ever noticed bam, bam, bam about them? Or I like him most of the time, but when he does this, it really bam, 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 bam. Or... They do a good job, but have you ever seen them when they do bam, 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 bam? Or they are good neighbors, but have you noticed this about their bam, bam, bam? 
Bam. Or she's a great coach, but why does she always make this decision in game time like bam, 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 bam? It comes with a setup of lifting them up, and then it ends with cutting them off at their knees. Or you just wait. You might not see it now, but it will happen to you. Just watch because they will bam, 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 bam. You know what that is? That is called devil talk. And you're not doing anything different than Satan himself speaks. And he is called the father of lies. And his native language is lies and deception and slander. Slander puts a seed of doubt and suspicion. And then the next time you see that person, you find yourself not thinking the best about them anymore. That's what happens. So Satan walked into the garden, said a slanderous thing about God. And so Adam and Eve had a choice. Will I entertain that thought about them? And so the next time they thought about God, hmm, He did say that we could eat from every other tree, but why didn't he say we could eat from this tree? Maybe, just maybe, he's right. And all of a sudden, someone says something about someone who you had no problem with. You loved him as a boss. They were your favorite school teacher. They were your favorite college coach. They were your favorite boss. And then someone said something about them, and the next time you thought, huh, I really never noticed that before, that when they say this, they do that. When you take the bait, like Adam and Eve did, you fall and you will see disruption, disunity, and separation. Think about that for a second. This happens often in the church and in the workplace. Paul said to do this with malice and slander and gossip. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Here's a remedy. Here's what he said. It is so dangerous. Colossians chapter 3. Just keep your finger here in Genesis. Colossians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. It's list of sins. He says to do this. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8 says, But now you must also what yourself up. What does it say? Rid. Come on, help me out. Colossians chapter 3 verse 8. But now... You must also do what? Rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, which could be gossip, slander, and filthy language from your lips. So what's it mean to rid yourself of? One translation has put away. To rid means to clear. To rid means to free, to purge, to empty, to strip yourself of something. You must rid, you must empty out, you must, you must get rid of, you must strip it off, you, you must purge yourself of it. It's this picture of don't let it sit in your heart, because out of the overflow of our heart, our Facebook posts post. And out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. Solomon had a lot to say about this too. Turn to Proverbs chapter 18. Look at Proverbs chapter 18. Look what he has to say here about gossip and slander. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. He reminds us this about words. Proverbs 18, 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, 
and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Then he says this. Look at what he says in Proverbs 16, verse 28. A perverse person stirs up what? What do they stir up? Conflict. And gossip does what to close friends? What does it say? Separates close friends. That's exactly what happened in the garden. Look at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. After they took the bait, after they, they listened to devil talk, after they allowed the accuser of the brethren, as we understand, that's what he does day and night before God. It says in verse 8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they did what from the Lord God? And when did they do it? After they heard that he was there. Never before did they ever hide from God. Why? Because slander separates close friends. Gossip separates close friends. And all of a sudden, there was shame and guilt and condemnation in the garden. Why? Because they took the bait instead of ridding themselves of it and cutting it off. The very first sin in the garden is because of a slanderous, accusing, judging thought against our God. The damage is done. And now these two people who did everything together are no longer on the same page because someone else said something about their friend who was God. Words carry power of life and death. And gossip destroys friends and separates people. Whatever has been said about a person, whether right or wrong, has a tendency to stick in our hard drives and shape our opinions of that person. And once that happens, friends become enemies because of a bad report being passed down by a gossiper or a slanderer. Let me pull away and ask a question. What are you passing on about people? Are you giving bad reports or good reports? Are you dividing friends? Are you talking devil talk? Are you speaking devil talk about your exes? Do you go and say, I wish she would have done this. Why didn't she do that? How come he didn't do that? That's devil talk. Listen, speak the best about people. Full cycle of forgiveness. You know what it is? It's when you pray a blessing over someone that has wronged you. That's full forgiveness. Adam and Eve were duped by a slanderous, diabolical enemy called Satan. Gossip and slander tear down trust. Look what Proverbs says. Look even more. Look, 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 look at Proverbs says. Look at Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 13. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 13 regards to gossip and slander. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 13. Look what it says. Proverbs 11 and verse 13. It says, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Look at Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 8. Just, it's all through the book. Book of Wisdom. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 8 says this. The words of a gossip are like choice, what? What's the word? Morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. In other words, the words of gossip, they're deliciously evil. 
Like, that's the filet mignon of evil, but let me taste it. Really? They did that? Tell me more. That's the picture that's there. When you entertain gossip, it's like you want feasted upon this delicious morsel of devil talk. Really? How did you know that? Oh, I didn't know that. Can you tell me more? Anybody else know? It's gossip. It's slander. And all it does is separate close friends. And all it does is put separation between you and God. And all it does is divide companies and divide families and divide marriages and divide churches and divide friendships and divide teams. That's all it does. So Paul said, rid yourselves of it. First thing you got to do, though, when you see it, you have to ask this question, even if it's in you. We must ask, why do we do it? Like, why do you feel the need to talk disparagingly about your wife, your husband, your coworker, your boss? Why, why do you feel the need to talk badly about your team? Like, I watch guys on social media just rip up coaches. Like, they're the coach. Like, I watch guys critically talk about coaches and teams, and they haven't played an ounce in that sport, and nor could they, but somehow they know better than he does, and, and they, or she does, and they just blitz that person. I say, is that a good report? Listen to me. That is devil talk. Oh, no, it's just sports. No, it isn't. It's devil talk. You are dividing. You've never had a conversation with that team or that coach. So you have to ask this question. Why must we do this? Ask, why am I doing it? And here's why. Here's why. Our motive behind it, gossip and slander, is because we think somehow deep down inside of us that we are superior over others, that we know what's best, that we know more. And somehow they're threatening us. And because they're threatening how much we know, we want to cut them down. You see, there often is an appeal to people to bringing another person down or even listening to someone talk about another person so we can think more highly of ourselves. And by the way, often the slanderer speaks as if he would never do the same thing. Oh, no way. I would never do that. Are you kidding me? Can you believe they would, though? Satan walked into the garden, the diabolical diapolos, devil talk, said something suspicious and unjustly judged God and laid the bait out if Eve and Adam would have just cut it off and said, that hasn't been my experience with God. In fact, Satan, take a look. It's pretty good around here. But they took the bait, as many of us can, And separation happened between close friends, God and Adam and Eve. Here's the reality, is this. The person you long to condemn through gossip and slander is no more deserving of condemnation than you and I are. (laughs) Come on, it's the truth. We are so deserving of death and death and hell but because of the cross of Jesus Christ. 
and the grace that you and I receive every second of our lives. Ah, but for the grace of God, we would be hopeless and headed to hell. But ah, for the grace of God, huh? See, we are so deserving of it. The cross levels the playing field because we all fall short of the glory of God. Yet the cross reminds us that God's grace and mercy keeps us from being condemned because the Bible says there now for is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. You know, it's hard to be self-righteous and enjoy seeing others slandered and gossip about when we know that we are the ones who need to be judged because of our own sin. Please, I'm talking to myself, all of us. Don't think too highly of yourselves when you want to slander someone else. So how do we resist the temptation that confronts us? You will have it, not only receive it, but you'll want to give it. Listen, we are prone to wonder, prone to sin. The best answer is this. Here it is. You want to know what it is? Start seeing the best in people. Just start doing it instead of the worst. You say, well, how do you do that, Pastor Jim? You train yourself to see evidences of God's grace in other people. How do you do that? Okay, that makes sense, Pastor Jim. I know what training is. If I want to get stronger or faster, then I practice. And then I do, do, I do sit-ups or push-ups or I do planks if I want to get stronger. If I want to run a longer distance, I work myself up to it. I just don't say, I'm going to wake up today and run a marathon. No, you, you train, you train, you train. So how do you train yourselves in this area? How do you do it? You start out right this afternoon. You start out right now. You start out tomorrow morning and every day. When you wake up in the morning, if there's someone in your house, think the best of them and just speak it. Like, if it's your wife, say, baby, I love you. You are the best thing God has ever given me. And you look at your husband and say, you know what? I love you. I'm so glad that I said I do. And you, and you get in your car, and then the first people that you see driving, man, you got driving skills. Look at you. And you just speak it out. You walk in the workplace and you punch in. And you look at that guy and that gal's been working beside you. And you know you got to fight. And you're saying, in Jesus' name, help me. In Jesus' name, help me. And you say, I am so glad I get to work with you. You got skills, dude. High five. You practice. You train yourself. And you get home. You're driving home. You say, your kids come home. If you have kids, you say, you know what? I am a blessed father. I am a blessed mother. Because you know what? You're my son and you're my daughter. And praise God. Instead of saying, look, look what you did. I can't believe you did that. And there you are again. And there. Listen, that is damaging. You practice. You train. And all of a sudden, it's like, that's just common for me to look and someone comes after and you can say, that's not been my experience. And you have this list. I saw this, 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 this. You look for evidences of God's grace in people. Let me tell you, it is there. You got to train yourself. You have to work hard at it. And the truth is this. It is easy to find fault in someone or something. Yet it's not what Christians should do. Listen to me. This might even be indicting to some today. But out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
If you're constantly looking at the deficiencies of people, don't be shocked. And when you begin to speak against them. You know what suspicion does to us? It makes a man torment to himself. And it makes you a spy towards others. Looking, I'm just waiting. You just watch. They're not as good. You, 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 they're going to fall off. I, I, here it is. And when it happens, what do you do? I told you so. And somehow you feel good about that, watching people fall. I'll say this again, please. For the cause in the name of Jesus Christ, when someone falls in Christian circles, quit reposting it on social media. Quit it. Here, and it comes like this. Here's how it comes. Here's how it's come. Here it is. Oh, I always thought this was such a good person. Oh, and please pray for them because bam, 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 bam. Oh, it's called slander. If you really feel the need to do something for that person, don't post it. Just pray for them. Send them a text that says, send them an email that says, I got you covered. And by God's grace, you're going to walk through this. Quit posting photos of mugshots of people who got incarcerated. What's good about that? Freeing. Quit it. Quit it. A person is innocent until proven guilty. What good is it for you to post that someone got arrested? Quit reading arrest reports. Please, fill your minds with godliness, trustworthiness, holiness, nobleness. And out of the overflow of your heart, your tweets tweet. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, what do you do? When you feel the need to gossip and slander. And someone's coming after you and they, they feel the need. I ask a couple questions. One, I already told you, I asked him, did you talk to this person about it yet? And here's the two other questions I follow up with. First one is this. How do you know that's true? Someone comes and has a disparaging report about someone. I'll, I'll ask him. First, did, did, did you talk to that person about it? I'll ask him, how do you know that's true about them? It shuts them off. Because the majority of it is hearsay. Then I'll ask this question. Why would that help me to know that? <laughs> like, like, why do I even need to know that? Tell me about that person. Like, I ask him, how does that help me to know that their dog poops in your yard? Seriously, what benefit is that to me? I know, but they're nice, but they're dog. See, by doing this, you're letting the person know that you're questioning their report. And the best defense against gossip and slander that is directed at you personally. Okay, Let's put the other side. It's coming at you. The best defense against gossip and slander that's directed at you is to have a lower opinion of yourself. Why? Spurgeon had this quote. It is, it is like, oh my goodness, it's phenomenal. It, it, it's so good, you should just get it tattooed on you. 
Now, some of you want to say something about that, don't you? <laughs> you all just get this tattooed on you. Here it is. Listen to this in regards to gossip and slander. He said this. If any man thinks ill of you, do not be angry with him. For you are worse than he thinks you to be. <laughs> Isn't it true? And he says, if he charges you falsely at some point, yet be satisfied. For if he knew you better, he might charge, give you another accusation. (laughs) It's so true. Even when negative things are said about us that might be accurate, the fact remains that we do deserve worse treatment than, than what we're getting for our sins. We deserve hell. But ah, for the grace of God. You see, when you have a problem with something that doesn't seem fair, just take a look at the cross. That's not fair. Jesus died for sins he never committed. If you're having a problem with something that's being said about you, a bad report, and think, this isn't fair, just go to the cross. Here's the deal. Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve believed a lie about God, and it destroyed everything that God had intended for mankind from the beginning. And the same can be true for you and me. In the church, in the community, in the workplace, in the home, if seeds of gossip and slander are planted and watered. And if you've been slandered and gossiped about, remind yourselves of this truth from Romans 8. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Amen? So let me ask you a question today. How are you doing? What work needs to take place in your heart? Maybe even you need to go to somebody. and Say, you know, for the last six months, I've just seen this negative stuff about you. But, you know, I've never told this about you. I think that you're really good at this. And maybe, just maybe, you need to call someone up and say, I'm sorry. Can we meet for lunch? I want to repent of these things that I've said. The Lord, the Holy Spirit has convicted me. Because if you don't, devil talk separates everything. Good news is this. We are guilty. But Jesus pled our calls, and because of his grace and because of his forgiveness, he can choose not to hold these things against us ever again if we repent. Oh, Lord, help us today. I pray, God, that we would become more like you. I pray, God, that we wouldn't talk devil talk and that we wouldn't receive devil talk. And that we would begin to see the graces of God in people. And even God, as we sing this song, we marvel that, ah, but for the grace of God. Because of you pleading our calls, we can march on and live differently. We love you, Jesus. We're grateful for your grace and mercy. How can it be, God? In Jesus' name, amen.